This is Cruise Radio. Your New Year's resolution should be to always travel with travel insurance. Find a policy today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. We'll get a review of the brand new MSC Seaside today from Nick. Him and the family just returned from a seven-day Eastern Caribbean sailing on Seaside. So excited to hear about that. Sherry Kennedy standing by with Cruise News. But before we get to Sherry, uh, on last weekend's show, we did a special edition about the uh, passengers who were on Norwegian Breakaway during the bomb cyclone. And uh, I asked you if you thought the passengers deserve compensation or not. I had 100 in three emails. Uh, so thank you for emailing me first off. And uh, 67 of you said that the passengers should not get any compensation because weather happens. The other remainder said there should be some form of credit just because of the inconvenience. I'm actually on the fence about it. I was talking to ABC Action News meteorologist Greg D earlier today asking how these storms compare against a hurricane. And this is what he told me. Doug, they don't form the same way hurricanes do, but they can produce some of the same results. Uh, That could include wind gusts well in excess of tropical storm force, maybe even to hurricane force. And with that, you're going to get some high seas. In the case of this last one, they were up to 30 feet. One thing that is different is that these storms cover a much larger area. So unlike a hurricane, which you can get around, these things are a lot harder to avoid. My follow-up question was, how much of a warning does a storm like this give forecasters? Forecasting these storms is very difficult, mainly because they develop just hours before some of the impacts begin to be felt along and over the coast. In most cases, computer models don't really pick up well on them until about two to three days before the storm is forecast. That's usually enough to warn people, but may not be enough to move everyone out of the way. That's why it's very important to always keep a track of the weather, especially this time of year if you're traveling through the Northeast. Finally, I asked if you had any advice for cruisers this time of year out of the Northeast. My best advice for anyone traveling through the Northeast is to basically expect uh, some rough weather as you're heading farther south, especially during the winter months. Many times these storms are out to sea, not necessarily impacting coastal cities. So you may be leaving in sunshine, but encounter very rough conditions on your way down. This is just something that we're going to have to start to get used to, especially during the fall and winter months as more and more folks travel out of the Northeast. Thanks again to AB. BC Action News meteorologist Greg D for giving us those sound bites. You can follow Greg on Twitter at Greg D Weather. That's at Greg D Double E Weather. This is Cruise Radio. It's her first appearance of 2018. Sherry Kennedy with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And uh, just before Christmas, you were on the MSC Seaside. What were your initial thoughts of her? Well, um, bring your sunglasses because the interior is glass and brass and it's really shiny. It's very pretty. I think that it's going to wow a lot of people. It's glitzy and, you know, I don't think it's like European type glitz, but it's just, it's a beautiful ship. Um, The only thing that I heard a lot of people saying was that they have a few of those decks where you just can't get there directly, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to get to a certain, and I know people are a little bit tired of that, but, you know, there's a reason in the construction, I'm sure, but it's a beautiful ship. The the staterooms are a good size. The dining room was nice. Uh, You know, no complaints. It was a nice experience. We're going to talk to Nick here in a little while about his full seven-night sailing on the ship, but uh, just, uh, I have one question for you, like, you know, they're, they're really trying to compete in this North American market. Do you think they'll be able to do so with Seaside? I think they will. I mean, they're keeping the prices so low. It's hard not to jump at the offer, you know, yeah. for 
Four forty nine or three ninety nine for a week, and on a beautiful new ship. And actually, you know what? The food was really good in the dining room, and I'm kind of picky. Um, and of course, they they might have just made it extra special for <laughs> right. the first two nights. But nevertheless, um, even the selection was good, and there's plenty of choices. So yeah, I think they will they will definitely make their mark here. Alrighty, on the cruise news, the uh, numbers were revealed for the cruise line CEOs. Who were some top earners? <laughs> well, the big three, of course, which would be. Uh, Richard Fain from Royal Caribbean Corporation and Arnold Donald from Carnival Corp. And, of course, there's Frank Del Rio from Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. And none of them took home as a salary less than a million dollars. And then you add in their bonuses and stock options and things like that. And it ended up that uh, Richard Fain ended up with a little over $10 million, which is not too bad, considering his salary was only $1 million. And then you've got uh, over at Carnival, um, Arnold Donald. He clocked in with just over $8 million, so that's about $7 million in extra compensation. And at the back of the pack is Frank Del Rio, president and CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. And back in uh, 2015, he clocked in with a, a juicy $31,910,000. And this year, <laughs> this year was a little bit of a hit. I'm sorry, you know, the 16 was a little bit of a hit. He only brought home two million nine hundred. $17 and some change. So, you know, none of them are really, are really hurting for anything as far as I can tell. Um, it's interesting, though, because, you know, they all seem to have a base salary set about $1 million, $1.5 million. Um, but yet, when they put in all the stock awards and the options and, you know, incentive plans and whatnot, and then this other little category called all other compensation, it manages to add another eight, nine, ten, oh, twenty thousand, twenty million to it. So they're doing good. I, I love it how some of these guys bring home twenty seven thousand dollars a day. Good for them. <laughs> you, you've done something good right in life when you're bringing <laughs> you home twenty seven thousand dollars a day. You did the math, huh? Yeah, I was looking at. It. I was like, wow, this is this is unreal. All right, well, moving on here. And speaking of lots of money to the tune of twenty five million dollars, that's what FEMA paid a cruise line for a ninety day charter. They did. Yeah, this must be like the million dollar million dollar show or something because uh, it's the Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line and the ship is the Grand Celebration and FEMA chartered the ship for 90 days for the tune of 25.8 million dollars. Um, the 1500 passenger Grand Celebration spent 90 days docked in St. Thomas and that was from September through mid-December. And it was providing accommodations to the hurricane survivors and the first responders after the hurricanes hit the Virgin Islands. And again, doing the math, that comes to about 286000 and some change per day for the charter rate. But if you do the math again, and by comparison, if you take another ship from another contemporary cruise line, you know what? It comes out to be just about what they all make per day yeah. in, in revenue. So. FEMA got a fair deal, and Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line, they got a good deal, too. All right, well, moving on here. Celebrity Cruises hikes gratuities uh, right after Royal Caribbean recently did. They sure did. Yeah, you, you, you know, it's the old story. If one does, they're all going to follow. And mm -hmm. sure enough, Celebrity also increased their daily gratuities rate. And similar to Royal Caribbean, they only went up a dollar per person per day. But just to recap really quickly... The new rate is now for a regular stateroom inside Ocean View or Balcony, fourteen fifty per person per day. If you're in the concierge or aqua class staterooms, you will be paying fifteen per person per day, up from fourteen. 
And if you're lucky enough to be in a suite, you were once paying $17 per person per day. You're now going to pay $18. So, I mean, it's a dollar here, a dollar there. But, you know, if you go on a 14-night cruise and you're in a suite, that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. And last but not least, uh, MSC Cruise is launching a child finder. Is this in form of like a smartphone app? Kind of. It's, you know, those little wristbands yeah. that you have as far as I know. Um, and it's for parents, I guess, to be able to locate their children, but only when the kids are in public spaces. And it's called the MSC for Me app. It's already up and running. It's on the, the um, MSC Meraviglia and the Seaside but it doesn't yet have the child-finding capability. They say that will launch in a few weeks on the seaside. But uh, it's kind of interesting. The MSC for Me app allows parents to locate their kids, like I said. It'll be on a map of the ship, and as long as the kids are in public space, but there's no sensors in the cabin. So if the kids happen to have been out and about you know, at the arcade or whatever and go back to the room, the parents can't f- track them to the room because there's no sensors. And it's kind of interesting, again, because the way this works, the way the app works, is you find your way around the ship via turn-by-turn directions, and there are 3,275 beacons that you could, uh, you know, they sort of act like onboard GPS satellites to track the person with the with the app and, and the responder on it. So, It also has the ability to make restaurant reservations, book shore excursions, and you can even check your daily schedule. Um, In the future, and this is interesting, they're going to add facial recognition so the ship can send personalized messaging to guests as they move about the ship. I don't know if I'd like that or not. (laughs) And smart cabins are also in the works uh, as our robotic entertainment and virtual and augmented reality and they think that might be rolled out on some of the ships by 2019. And then the, the very last sentence is improved Wi-Fi technology is also on the horizon. Well, shouldn't that be like at the beginning? Right. This is basically what every other cruise line is doing, is which is tracking your every single move on the ship. Right. Yeah, yeah okay. they want to know where you are. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, they just have to remember to take it off when you go home, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, listener questions. If you have a question, shoot me an email, Doug at cruiseradio.net, D-O-U-G at cruiseradio.net. Comes from Leah on Facebook. Taking our first cruise on Carnival Sensation in March. We are staying on deck one, and Hubby is nervous. What can we expect? I'm trying to ease his mind. Thank you. Hi, Leah. Well, I wish I, you know, if I just knew where on the deck one you will be located. And actually, deck one on the Sensation is really deck four. It's the Riviera deck. So it's not like you're, you know, submerged below the surface or anything. It's really deck four. Um, And it is the lowest passenger deck. And, you know, there's really nothing wrong with that deck. The only hiccup I could see is if you happen to have your stateroom all the way at the back of the ship. Um, Because, you know, I do try to, whenever I'm on a new ship, I do try to walk around and check out if I hear any engine noise or feel Mm -hmm. some vibrations. And, you know, the sensation's an older ship. And when it's um, underway, you do hear and feel some of the engine noise. So if you're at the very, very aft and you're a sensitive sleeper, that could be a little bit of a problem. But otherwise, it should be fine. You should have a nice, smooth, quiet ride. The deck above you is just staterooms. You don't have any public rooms, so there's nothing to worry about with that. 
So, you know, get some earplugs if you are at the back of the ship, but have a wonderful first cruise. And if you're in the front of the ship, you're going to shake like hell when the bow thrusters come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Pretty much. True. Rick from Orange Park, Florida asks, do you know if cruise lines open categories up gradually throughout the year? I was trying to book a Baltic cruise a few months ago, but no inside cabins were available. I looked this morning and now they're there, but they're all inside guarantees. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, cruise lines don't usually hold back cabins. I know sometimes hotels will set aside a block of rooms or even a concert hall will not release some seats. But, no, cruise lines, they open up inventory and they want to sell it as fast as they can. Um, and, you know, it's funny because more times than not, um, ships sell from the top down and the bottom up. So those inside cabins and the lowest decks, those are the first to go. Um, and then... When you saw it the other day on a guarantee basis, there's a few reasons for that. Um, a large group could have canceled and the cruise line got stuck with excess inventory, or maybe just a handful became available, but they wanted to offer that category and they put it on a guarantee basis just to be able to sell them all and that way they can handle any overflow too. So, you know, they're not holding it back. Big agencies will block hundreds of cabins and when you get to certain periods of time, they have to release their inventory, and that's when the cruise line can see a glut of empty spaces coming back, and they panic, and they sometimes they knock down the prices, they offer it on a guarantee, so you just never really know, but, um, you know, book as early as possible, that's what I always say, and then check as you get closer to your final payment date, keep checking to see if the price has been reduced, um, but don't lose any promotions that you might have had when you originally booked. And there you have it from the horse's mouth, Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. You're about to leave on a really long cruise, aren't you? Yeah, I'm leaving pretty soon on an 18-day Panama Canal cruise. So I'm, I have never done a Panama Canal all the way through. Have you? Uh, only partial. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, uh, Florida to California. Via South America. So it should be interesting. I'm excited. I'll tell you about it when I get back. Yeah, for sure. Safe travels and thank you as always. Thanks so much, Doug. Bye. Cruise Radio, maintaining our global reach. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour, take a beach break, or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling. Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. 
Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. Nick and his family just returned from the brand new MSE Seaside on a seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing. Nick joins us on the line. Hey, Nick. Hey, Doug. Great to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks uh, Thanks for coming on and sharing the review of this brand new ship, not even a month old yet. So uh, before we get to the ship itself, I always like to take a step back and find out, uh, why did you want to sail MSC? Because it's not really a big North American cruise ship. Yeah, that's a great point. You're right. And we had never sailed MSC prior to this. Um, we had started looking for a holiday cruise. And given that the holidays are usually the most expensive time to cruise, um, ar- around the hurricane time, you know, when, when Irma hit, uh, we had just started looking at some of the deals online, and we found MSC. I think it was pretty close to capacity at that point, so we had jumped. Uh, we had jumped at the opportunity to get on board. Cool. So uh, you live uh, up in Charlotte. You make the drive down to Miami. Uh, how was embarkate? Well, you, you're on the first revenue sailing, correct? That's right. Yep. It came over from a transatlantic, and then we were what the you know they they dubbed it the uh, inaugural sailing. Do you fly down? No, we drive down from Charlotte, um, and it was about ten hours or so. We we came down a couple nights before just to be be there and be ready. Uh, but the embarkation was smooth. Uh, we arrived about forty five minutes early. Mm-hmm. I parked in lot E right across from the ships there. Um, I walked to the curb, dropped off the luggage, and then we started to enter the terminal. Once we were inside the terminal, the security line moved very efficiently, um, and we got into the check-in line at that point. Does MSC Cruises do a staggered embarkation where they suggest you arrive to the pier like between 12 and 1230? You know, that's a great question, and and I was expecting that. um, But due to the fact that we had gotten there around 1115 in the morning, Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like they had started boarding at 1030. So we we checked in, we got checked in, we moved through the terminal, and we went directly onto the ship. We were on board by noon. I mean, uh, less than an hour from from curb to uh, on board. Nice. Uh, First impressions once you boarded MSC Seaside? We were very impressed. Um, it, it's it's an absolutely beautiful ship, both inside and out. Um, immediately when you walk on board, you notice that four-deck atrium, and it's really a spectacle to see. Um, at the bottom of the atrium, they have the Seaside Bar, and it's surrounded by these uh, Swarovski crystal staircases mm-hmm. that encompass all four decks. Nice. So it's very elegant. Um, and one thing, Doug, that I noticed is, as well that I haven't seen on other lines is they had floor to ceiling windows. Yeah. Uh, you know, almost like you're sitting in a mall, you're looking outside. It was it was really incredible um, and just very, you know, very stunning views out those windows. What's the first thing you did once you got on board? So once we got on board, we made our way up to the promenade deck. So we, we climbed those crystal staircases mm-hmm. just, just because. Yep. Uh, and then we went straight up to the promenade deck. Um, and of course, uh, once you're up there, the thing to see is what they call the bridge of size. And it's at the very aft of the ship, and it's this crystal, or I'm sorry, not crystal, it's a glass bridge that looks down 14 decks or or however many decks down to uh, what they call the Miami Beach pool down at the bottom. Um, and it really is something to see. The views of Miami from there were incredible. And then just looking down, it almost takes your breath away. Awesome. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book? So we booked a midship balcony stateroom. They called it Category B2, and they have uh, what they entitled the Fantastica Experience, 
which really all that offered was uh, they, they, it's a 12 voucher drink package uh, per guest. Mm. So my, my wife and I and my kids each had 12 vouchers for drinks. Obviously, ours were alcoholic drinks yeah. included and theirs were not. Did, did you take advantage of the um, – like with, if you have loyalty on another cruise line, you can kind of get that loyalty with MSC. Did you do that on this sailing? We sure did, and, and that was one of the most compelling reasons for us to sail with MSC. Ironically, we found out about the loyalty status match program after we booked, mm-hmm. and um, we are Disney Platinum cruisers, so I applied online. The next day, I had my loyalty status matched with MSC, and in fact, they refunded me 5% of my voyage fare as a black card member. Wow, that's awesome. As far as the stateroom goes, uh, you know, you like you said, you've sailed Disney a lot and other cruise lines. Uh, was it your typical stateroom or was it noticeably different? No, it was your typical stateroom. It was very well appointed and modernized. So uh, around the bed, they had USB ports. Uh, they had LED lamps and reading lamps. And then as well along the desk and mirror area, they had USB ports. So plenty of plugs and ports for charging. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I will mention was storage space was a bit tight on the ship so or on the in the stateroom they have a a sliding cabinet that's right next to the master bed um and and it's very difficult to get in and out of if you know if multiple people are trying to access it at the same time um as well the bedside or the nightstands they weren't really drawers they were just uh, um shelves that you put things in and then only one drawer on the on the desk that accompanies the mirror so um you know the cabinetry was a bit limited uh, but a beautiful room. Obviously, being brand new, it was it was immaculate. Uh, but a very nice room, and uh, we had the balcony, and it was your normal balcony size, not very large, but more than adequate for two of us or uh, one adult and two kids. What did you think about the balcony size? You know, Doug, the balcony was uh, pretty much your standard balcony. It had two chairs and then a footstool, and uh, you comfortably could hold two adults, maybe one adult and two children. Okay, cool. Let's move to dining now. Uh, This brand new ship has, I believe I read, nine dining venues on there. So, uh, you know, I'll just let you start uh, and talk to us about the dining. Sure, yeah. We took uh, great advantage of the, the buffets. Um, first, you have the Marketplace Buffet and Restaurant that is midship, and it handles both breakfast, and it's also uh, main dining for, for some guests. And then at uh, Deck 16, just outside the, the pool area, you have uh, what they call the Biscayne Buffet, and honestly, that's where we ate many, many evenings just for its convenience. So we attended one formal dining, and then because we prefer to go against the crowd, we, we did a lot of the less formal and hit the buffets on many, many evenings. Um, we found that the food was consistently great quality, um, and we did hit one of the specialty restaurants as well. Cool. What, uh, what specialty restaurant did you go to? So we went to Butcher's Cut. It is a, a very elegant steakhouse, and as a Black Card member, it's, it is one of the benefits. However, it, it is more than worth the price of admission. I believe it's $40 per person wow. um, it, otherwise. But uh, but it was a very delightful experience, and we went Christmas afternoon, and we were one of only a few people in the restaurant. So we just had tremendous service, and the food quality was very, very good. So you thought it was worth the $40? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, as far as the main dining room, you said you went to the formal night. Uh, how was the food and service in there? 
the food again was consistently good. It was the service was a little bit slower, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it's similar to other cruise lines it, uh, or Disney in particular. It's it's a more formal experience in terms of how long it takes. So it's a good two hour process, yeah. and uh, ultimately that's why we chose to to opt for the buffet on many evenings. The the food on MSC that they serve in the main dining room is it? I mean, since it's a European Italian cruise line, is it all Italian food? Is it or does it kind of have an international menu? No, it does have an international menu, and there were a lot of different options to choose from. So um, I have some picky eaters in my family, and and they were uh, they were more than uh, pleasantly surprised there. And as far as the all the buffet visits you went to, that was pretty consistently good as well. It was, yeah. The buffet was great. Um, w- there were a lot of options, and to be quite honest, it was one of the best pizza experiences I've had at sea. Yeah, you mentioned the, the uh, service in the main dining room was a little bit slow. Do you think was that due to like you know one server having too many tables, or was it just kind of working the kinks out of it being a new ship? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a bit of both. Um, in the buffet, especially, there were a couple nights where you know we did have to wait to get our table cleared. Mm-hmm. But every every person that we interacted with on the wait staff, they were they were delightful. They worked very very hard, and they were simply trying to keep up with the pace. Yeah, let's talk entertainment. It looks pretty stunning. It does. Uh, the entertainment was tremendous. We One of the really nice features is, similar to other cruise lines, they have the LCD screens throughout the ship. And so we went to two shows that we booked right on these screens that were located in various uh, locations around the ship. We, uh, we saw a show called Timeless, mm-hmm. um, which had a huge Michael Jackson presence in it. And by far our favorite show. I wish we could have seen it twice. It was it was a, just an incredible experience. And then the next show that we saw was called My Life in Music. Um, amazing performers. It was more of an opera, um, not necessarily my style, but it was. You couldn't help but just revel in how well these people performed. It was a great experience. Um, and then one of the evenings, they did play the Grinch out on the pool deck on the movie screen. But uh, ironically, they didn't have any seating, so we were just kind of standing there or or sitting on a stairway mm-hmm. um, watching the show. But I thought it was nice that they they put that out there. And along the same lines with entertainment, I will add. In some of the bars throughout the ship, they had live performers. So, for example, in the seaside bar in the main atrium, they had um, a violinist. You know, they had people performing live throughout the day. So these these unadvertised little experiences that you can have, which were really a nice touch. Did it seem like the music around the ship was it um, was it geared towards a North American audience? Well, it, obviously, being a European cruise line, right. um, no, it, I don't think it necessarily was. But for us, that was part of the charm. You mentioned you had twelve drink vouchers. Any favorite bars on board? Sure, yeah. So up at the uh, on the promenade do- deck by the pool, there's a really nice bar area, and they also serve gelato there. But what they have, which a lot of other cruise ships don't have, is they have this massive seating area, um, and so. That bar, I, I don't remember the name of it exactly, but it was right right on deck 16 by the pool. Um, and just the amount of seating, it was such an open air, air um, experience. Proximity to the pool, the hot tub, and the, the Biscayne buffet. So that's where we spent a lot of our time. As well as on the aft deck... Um, looking, there's a bar down at the very bottom by the Miami Beach pool, um, and the views looking out, you know, behind the ship were just spectacular. So those two were probably my favorite. Awesome. Uh, back to the theater for a second. How, how was sure. the like um, the acoustics and the line of sight where you were sitting? 
Yeah, the, I believe it was called the Metropolitan Theater. It was very well appointed too. Um, we had no issues with with hearing the performance or finding a seat. It did get very crowded very fast, mm-hmm. um, and we got in there probably 15 minutes before the performance began. Um, but but a very nice theater. The water park looks pretty cool. Doesn't the slides like wrap around the side of the ship or go over the side of the ship? It, they do, in fact. Uh, they have a number of different slides, and they have a very nice uh, kid pool area. But, yeah, the slides were incredible, as well as at the very top, uh, they have a zip line that goes out across the ship. Awesome. Now, how were the sea days on the ship as far as crowds and congestion? So we got lucky in terms of weather. We had uh, three sea days on this sailing and perfect weather the entire time. But like any other cruise ship of this size, you know, the pool deck was very, very busy on those sea days. Uh, we found that in the late afternoon, the crowds were a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we took, as I mentioned, our less formal dinner approach, and we were able to take advantage of the pool later in the day when dinner would start. Um, in fact, you could find hot tubs that were accessible at that time as well. Nice. So, yeah, this ship holds like fifty one hundred guests, I believe. So, did it? Feel, yeah, did it feel like there was fifty one hundred people on it at peak times during the day? It did not. No? Okay. Um, I was I was amazed at how the ship did not feel full with that many passengers. You could walk around the ship in various different lounge areas, and you could always find a seat. Um, I would walk along deck eight, and there would be tables or reading areas. Uh, so no, it never felt that full. And and one of the first things we noticed when we boarded, when we went to the customer service desk, is they had a sign out that said, um, this ship is full, so indicating that you could not change staterooms. Yeah. Uh, but they did a great job with that. AKA, we won't upgrade you. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Was there any kind of technology introduced on this sailing? Like, did you download an app or any kind of intranet system uh, while on board the ship? Yes, they have the, uh, I believe it was called the MSC Cruise for Me app, mm-hmm. and it allowed you to look at the schedule and book certain venues. Um, it, I don't believe it had a messaging built in, but uh, it was the typical app that you would see on other cruise lines. Very helpful and definitely worth the download. Uh, talk to us about the ports you hit during the seven-night sailing. Sure. We hit three ports. We hit Antigua first, and then Charlotte, Amali, uh, St. Thomas, and then Nassau, Bahamas. What did you do in Antigua? So in Antigua, we took an excursion uh, to what is called Valley Church Beach, Mm -hmm. and we just had a wonderful time. It's this white sand beach. Uh, We did some kayaking and just lounged by the beach the entire day. Um, Everyone there was delightful. We had a really great experience. There were beach bars along the way, um, and it was just a a quick cab ride, maybe 20 minutes or so from the port. You went to St. Thomas, slowly recovering from the hurricane. How was the experience for you? St. Thomas was, was, was nice. We've been there many times, and I love going there. Um, it's definitely, you could see the impacts from the hurricane. Um, while the vegetation is, has obviously resurfaced, um, they're, they're still rebuilding. But they were, everyone was very nice and appreciative to have us there. And it was such a warm experience. Um, in St. Thomas, we typically do uh, the San, uh, Champagne Catamaran, mm-hmm. and it's a, an excursion that we love. I don't know if they're still in operation after the hurricane, so we did something different this time, and we went to Secret Harbor Beach Resort, um, and again, a perfect beach, and maybe it is a secret because there were very few people there, and it was just a wonderful experience. Was that a cruise ship uh, excursion or a separate one? 
No, both of our excursions we did on our own. Okay. I was back in St. Thomas like in November, and they were open but barely operational. They, did they ever open up that sky ride from the cruise pier up to the top of the mountain? I forgot what it's called. You know, it's like the gondola. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I didn't see it running mm-hmm. uh, when we were there. I, I don't know if it is or not, but, oh. but that's a good point. I did not see it running. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and then you went to Nassau, Bahamas. What would you do there? So in Nassau, um, we were there recently and on, on another cruise, and we've been there a few times. So this time what, what I did was I opted to take advantage of the less crowded ship. I did get off the boat because the MSC Seaside is just a visually appealing ship. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I got off the ship, and I just took photos of all the cruise ships that were important. There were other two other boats, and then there was a super yacht that, that, that was there. And, uh, I mean, it's just a beautiful ship to see. So I really took advantage of that as a photo time. How was debarkation once you got back to Port Miami? So it's similar to the embarkation process. Uh, the disembarkation process w- was very smooth. We chose the express walk-off option. We had everything packed the night before, and we left our stateroom at 6.30 in the morning. And I, I had the car packed by 7.15 in the morning. We got off the ship through customs and into the car within roughly 45 minutes. It was a very smooth process. Nice. Uh, looking back here, do you have any first-time tips to offer, maybe first-time MSC cruisers? Of course, yeah. So with MSC breaking into the U.S. market and new ships coming, there are some great deals to be had. And so we definitely took advantage of that. I would also recommend the Status Match program if you're eligible for that. Um, in terms of tips for this ship, you know, this being a new ship and new crew, they're still learning the routine and the rhythm. And so with that said, a little extra patience and kindness will really go a long way on board. Um, we're a pretty outgoing family, and so we like to get to know the crew, know where they're from. And um, and so we, inter- we interact with them quite a bit. And the crew that we interacted with every day were working very hard, and they were obviously still trying to get familiar with their routine and the ship. Got a listener question here from Twitter asking how the food compares against your previous uh, NCL and Disney sailings. Oh, good question. Um, so Disney, I love Disney, and they were our our first um, we spent a lot of time with. Their food is amazing, but once you sail with them many times, um, you could get used to the dining options. Um, Norwegian is one of my favorites just for the sheer variety and their anytime dining. Uh, but I would say it it compared with Disney. We we had we didn't have any bad food experiences on board, and it always met or exceeded our expectations. So looking back, what was the biggest highlight for you and the family? So our highlight of the sh- of the trip was the pool deck. Um, it, it is just a wonderful pool deck surrounded with different things for the kids to do from the zip lines to the slides, um, surrounded by stunning views of whatever port you're in. Um, and there's always ample seating and a lot of hot tubs up there. So it, that was that was our highlight of the trip. Awesome. And final thoughts of MSC Seaside. So the MSC Seaside really is a stunning ship to see. It has such a unique design, um, and it does a great job, as we mentioned, about never feeling crowded. Uh, This being a Christmas sailing with over 5,000 guests, it never felt like a cruise that was at max capacity, and we really appreciated that. It was just a wonderful experience overall. Nick, welcome home, and thanks for sharing your review, bud. Yeah, my pleasure, Doug. Nice talking to you. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with, like, basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. 